is Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny on the Revelations Radio Network. Podcasting to you from the seaside town of Edmonds, Washington, where I am slowly joining each of you in the 21st century, one technical device at a time. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Tim Gilkenny. And from Hood River, Oregon, where I watched Fox News for you people last night. I'm Andrew Hoffman. Wow. 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 That's all I can say. Sacrifice right there. That is a huge sacrifice. You've been keeping an eye on the Fox News. I've been keeping an eye on the on the uh, the uh, finance finances and the stock market. Um, and uh, we got a lot to talk about. Although last last week put me over the edge. You happened to hear a, a behind the scenes uh, uh, conversation between my beautiful wife and I, uh, intro and outro lady of the show. Uh, talking about her not streaming Netflix uh, while we do the show because I actually could not get a good connection. And you said that that is unacceptable for internet speeds. And it is, and I knew that. Um, but uh, finally making the, the leap, getting going to Comcast Internet tomorrow. Starts officially tomorrow. Yeah, officially tomorrow. I'm not, I'm not thrilled about it. I'm not a Comcast fan, of course. No. Well, no one is. Yeah, but... Uh, I've, I've, I've dealt with six megabits per second, uh, download speed DSL for five years or more. Well, when you upload the show too, it's going to take like a fraction of the time. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's the thing is you can tell it's definitely not for content producers. So my upload speed would be like one megabit per second. So when I, I'd have to like set it like to upload and then I'd have to like go do something. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and come back in 20 minutes so it'll be that'll be way better which will be awesome uh and i think it all started because i upgraded so i i think you even have me beat on this one what's the resolution on your television oh i don't know you don't know do you have no. you have an you have an hd tv though i got it free okay with the couch oh was, well there you buy, go buy a couch get a tv so that's how i got my tv but <clears throat> Well, I I liked the plasma. I was a, I was a fan of the pl- I thought plasma was better than LCD, and let's uh, never believe anything I decide to go with. So, <laughs> uh, but I actually do think plasma is it is actually it, in in a lot of ways better. I guess it's just not as there's there's way, the 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 drawbacks are not the same as or the drawbacks are different with plasma right. versus LCD. But my point is, I had a plasma seven twenty, which was a beautiful beautiful. You know, uh, Samsung, beautiful, beautiful TV, but it just, you know, eventually I was just like, well, maybe we should upgrade. So I was, I was like, basically, it's this like cascade of things. Like once you start doing one thing, it's like all it all comes to. Oh yeah. So yeah. So I, I did the I did the 1080 television, and then it's like, oh, but it's just super thin, so the speakers are terrible. So you get a you know you get the speaker or whatever. And then I start doing the show, and my wife's streaming now. The you know the device knows it's 1080 instead of 720, mm. so it's like pulling more bandwidth to stream that because it's more data or whatever. And 
then I can't even have a Skype connection without like in and out drops with you. So finally, right. just like, ah, oh, I'll upgrade Comcast. And everybody out there is probably laughing. Like, how do you survive on six megabits per second with, you know, 720 <laughs> resolution? So yeah. I'm slowly joining everyone in the 20th century. Apparently, according to you, Korea, Japan, all those places, super fast internet, free. Well, yeah, I mean, nothing's free, but like included with your rent. If you're renting an apartment, your internet comes with it. So. Ain't nothing wrong that's, with that. That's how it was in Korea anyway. And it it was, I think, somewhat mandated. I don't think it was up to the apartment owners. But. Well, there you go. That was a long and rambling intro about me upgrading myself to the 21st century. You, on the other hand, holy cow, submitted yourself to a Clockwork Orange-style torture. Yeah, not for... Well, so I DVR'd like three hours of the Iowa coverage and watched it in about 20 minutes. So I can't claim too much pain. Okay. Okay. But you did watch Fox News coverage. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It was, which is huge. I mean, that's huge. So uh, I came on and was informed that Martin O'Malley had finished third in the Democratic um, caucus. Dear Iowa. Thank you, Fox News. Dear Iowa, you're making yourself irrelevant. <laughs> Seriously, some of these results, it's like, what the? So the, um, yeah, and Iowa kind of, like, that's their thing. Like, they yeah. get the first, you know, primary, and so they get a lot of ad spending. Probably the TV stations, I mean, that's got to be a huge sort well, who, source of their revenue. Who won last year? I assume it was either uh, Mitt Romney or Barack Obama last last election cycle. Um, it was Barack Obama for the Democrats, but it was Rick Santorum oh, for the Republicans. So it's a real, a real stalwart of, of 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 truthiness. Yeah, the thing was they announced that Romney won, and then three weeks later, after several other primaries. And Santorum was out of it. They said, oh, by the way, Rick Santorum did win Iowa. <laughs> so that that's, brings me to my first prediction. Uh, you know, after Hillary, she, she'll lose New Hampshire. But, you know, two months from now or a month from now, we'll find out, oh, Bernie Sanders actually won Iowa. That's my, okay. that's, that's think, my prediction. You think burn, yeah. the, the burn one? Yeah, there's too much uh, smoke around the um, Clinton-cheated fire. Hmm, okay. Which, you know, saying the Clinton campaign cheated is kind of like saying water's wet, but, um, you know, I mean, although... Wait. I, so you're did, saying? I think I put this in the the our folder here. Um, Some of let's the see. Stuff. Hillary Clinton. My beliefs are aligned with the Ten Commandments. There we go. Wow. Let's yeah. just let's get started out on so, the on the so she, I mean, she says Christian it, right? story. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Wow. This. 
website setup is terrible. Okay. Um, WashingtonStandard.com. I don't think they're friends of ours, so they won't be insulted. I designed, uh, I designed that website. <laughs> Let's see. During a town hall meeting in Knoxville, Iowa, a young woman asked Clinton, I'm just curious how you would say that your beliefs align with the Ten Commandments and if that's something that's important to you. And instead of saying, um, I worship Satan and I will say and do anything for political power, um, she said, I am a person of faith. I am a Christian, but I do believe that in many areas, judgment should be left to God. That being more open, tolerant, and respectful of people who've had different life experiences is part of what makes me humble about my faith. Well, there you go. So, so it's funny because you take that statement and like you put it on like who, who, who's someone that like like maybe Russell Wilson says this. Yeah, judgment should be left to God. Being more open, tolerant, and respectful of people who've had different experiences is part of what makes me humble in my faith. And people would be like, "Wow, Russell Wilson, awesome! That's really neat." But when Bill, when when Bill, I mean Hillary, I mean Billary, <laughs> says it, uh, it just makes my skin crawl. Yes, it should make your skin crawl. So I have, um, you know, Dr. Future was kind of pushing the burn for president. He, Dr. Future is all about the burn. Dr. Future has gone full-on liberal. Like, he's really just just, just letting go of his Baptist roots and just going full-on feeling the burn, gun control liberal. <laughs> so I will... Um... He's quoting murder stats. On uh, murderstats.com or whatever it is, mass oh. mass shootings.com. He quoted yeah, that on our I, show, and I didn't I call know. him out on it. I just what I didn't have. The, uh, I should have. Oh no, that's okay. I understand. But, you know, I mean, sometimes. But anyway, I'm sure he won't listen to this. So nobody send it to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, nobody send it to him. But the advantage, and I hadn't considered this before. If Bernie Sanders was elected president, okay. Um, he would be the first U.S. president to not profess himself to be a Christian. Which I think would be great. Yeah, that's, a, that's actually... Because I, I, I would really like to disassociate Christianity with, with the most evil actions. country on the planet. <laughs> that would be an excellent thing. Um, hey, I have so to. So I'm not at all saying, I mean, <clears throat> you know, you could teach a three-year-old better economic theory than than Bernie Sanders. Um, but who cares? At least, you know, stop blaming it on the Christians. So there you go. It's an interesting, interesting perspective there, boss. <laughs> but... Um, was it? Did we talk about? Oh yes. So last week on the show we talked about Hillary going to her witch's church, right? right. Yes. Which was kind of you know rumor or whatever. But there's there's rampant um, you know firsthand accounts of people who say they were um, seeing Hillary engage in you know with sex slaves or prostitutes or what have you. She's just you know, absolutely rampant line. I mean, pretty much everyone 
admits Hillary Clinton is a huge liar. They were showing like like voters who think uh, trustworthiness is important supported Sanders over Hillary at like an eighty percent to fifteen percent ratio or something like that. Um, but the voters that said it only matters if they can win the general election; those were the Hillary voters. Um, well, it's hard to imagine any voters that aren't like voting based off you having the correct genitalia would actually vote like Hillary over Bernie, to be honest with you. I mean, right. I mean, if you're uh, the, the only argument that I see on, um, the old Facebooks from the Hillary supporters is she's pragmatic and pragmatism gets things done. And, you know, Bernie's too idealistic and, Nothing. You wouldn't actually be able to do anything. Yada, yada yada. These are the same people that are all gung ho Obama eight years ago. Right. Um, do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do you remember when he got elected and everybody was all happy? I hate to be so jaded, but I, I mean, I, there was actually a moment. I mean, the, the propaganda was so good around Obama. There was actually a moment. Where, oh man! Like on his it, it uh, was election so, night speech, like uh, the yes. camera zooming around and just American flags and oh, it was going to unite everyone. And everyone's in Fox News, like, "Hey, this Obama guy is all right, man. We're yep. it's everybody's going to be happy." Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a matter, I mean, it was so good. I remember like the whole time thinking, "Okay, this is such a farce. This is going to be a huge joke. I can't believe this." And then. Uh, like watching his speech and I was just like, well, I mean, you know, hopefully, you know, he, he could do something like, and even in the back of my mind, I was just like, maybe I'm wrong. It'd be cool. You know, it'd be cool if I was wrong and he was really as awesome as he's made up to be. And, and then he started picking out his cabinet Yeah, and it was all Clinton retreads in Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan. Yeah, I mean, it like, was, Oh, okay. The, the, oh, that was such. Yeah, that's true. That was the very first thing that was so the, like the first. Were signs. we doing the show back then? Oh, absolutely no, no, because that was two thousand eight. So we were not. We started doing a show. The biggest story. We couldn't take it anymore. When, when we finally decided, okay, we got to do a show. Was uh, uh, I was getting pretty fine or uh, pretty. Uh, I was in Korea in 2008. We weren't doing the show. Yeah, I was getting. It was 2011. We, I was getting pretty into the financial markets and just kind of forecasting and what in the world, trying to figure out what in the world is happening in 2011. And uh, we both had had enough with Libya. And, mm-hmm. it, and it was the summer after, or it was like six, three, four months after Osama bin Laden was killed. Is that right? Eleven? Is that right? I think so. Yeah. So killed in quotation marks. Yeah, when he was killed <laughs> in yeah. 2011. Yeah, killed as in they decided to... So it was it was the fall? Fall of 2011? Yeah, I believe our first show is like is August. August 2011. Okay. I get, here, so we're coming up on, on five years. That is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and, we're, you know, and if we were doing five years a show a week, that's uh, 250 shows. And what are we at? Like 170? We're, we're up there. Can you believe that? Yeah. Well, and I've got a second wind. I don't know about you, Tim. I, yep. So uh, August 2011. Um, 
It could just be because I had a second cup of coffee early afternoon today. Okay. So I probably won't be sleeping tonight, but August 4th. I'm I'm, I'm feeling energized. Let's do this. August 4th, 2011. So yeah, we're coming up on on 5 years. We're at episode this is the one that we are recording right now is episode 171. So So um with my most evil person wins. Right. Uh Still picking Hillary at this point. Um, man, Jeb Bush, $90 million for 2%. Like, he, you kind of think, man, Rand, he, Rand Paul really bombed out. He has he less. He had more than double the votes of Jeb Bush. He looks like George, and he's less charismatic than George. And he has a lot of the same, like, uh, yeah, uh, policies as George, but I mean, he's like actually less charismatic. Like George Bush was the second was entertaining when he would speak. It was fairly entertaining. He may stumble. He may sound like an idiot on occasion. I personally think he was brilliant and that that, that thing that him being silly was all just a show. No, no, no. You think so? You think he was dumb? Um, well, I think it, there's kind of a double standard because Obama stutters and bumbles and what have you and. And no media person can call him dumb. Otherwise, I don't it's think that Obama's near as bright as we were made out to think he was. Right. It, it was the the thing was, oh, he's brilliant, such a great speaker. And but part of it was because he was following Bush, and he could read a teleprompter. Right. But Bush, I think, I think, I don't know. You know, I think that the uh, the uh, the entity that inhabited George Bush was brighter than the entity <laughs> that inhabits Jeb. Yes. <laughs> Let's get down to brass tacks here. But anyway, Jeb. My point is, Jeb sounds like a bumbling moron. So, and very unlikable too. He is unlikable. I, he actually does the, he, the. People say, I mean, that if you were to meet George W. Bush in person, you would like him, right? Which I find hard to like. I'd, I'd don't think I possibly could now knowing what he does and represents, but they say if you didn't know anything about him and you just ran into him, you know, at a meeting or, or an event or whatever, you would walk away liking him. And I never heard anyone say that about Jeb Bush. Yeah. Yeah. Clinton, so. Clinton uh, Bill, another extremely likable, probably very brilliant person. Uh, you know, or- as long as you're not, uh, young woman <laughs> if anywhere from 13 up or who knows 13 even. to 50 yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> 13 to 102 um my point is george jeb not even likable at all kind of a bumbler and he does the one thing that people really don't like i used to do this i'm trying to trying to stop but if i was in any kind of a pr position i would never do it sales you gotta learn how to not do it don't self-deprecate like if someone's like hey nice shirt and you're like yeah except for this stain over here that doesn't make anybody feel any better about their co- <laughs> like they feel like an idiot because they've now commented your stained shirt and you feel like an idiot because you pointed out the bad part jeb is that constantly like I'm just a guy, you know, Florida. Yeah, just, spent things are good there. $100 million dollars and I guess there's jobs. 20 caucus, you know, orders. death row. <laughs> so whatever. Hear, and it, it uh 
it mostly got proven to be a fraud, but someone put out a Twitter message like advertising for people to come sit at his gathering for $25 a person. And then uh, two guys were like, hey, we've been here for two hours. Where's our money? When he started talking. <laughs> <laughs> so supposedly, supposedly uh, you know, it wasn't actually their campaign offering to pay him. It was a, a rival group, but still kind of funny. That is funny. Although you kind of have to wonder, at this point, who's really bothering to sabotage Jeb Bush? Yeah. Yeah. Seems like a waste of money. So, so my uh, my takeaway... Of Hillary's it, beliefs are aligned with the Ten Commandments? My takeaway of... Uh, well, I think that kind of speaks for itself. Okay. Um, what's the... Uh, um, Satanic Bible, do as thou wilt. It's this satanic commandment. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... So it's, it's Hillary not, Clinton's... It's not, I don't know if it's in the satanic Bible. It's an Eliester Crowley right. thing. Yeah, do as thou wilt. Uh, so Hillary Clinton's would be do, like, get power by whatever means necessary. Yeah. That's that's her her life philosophy. Serve the demons within... Um, but my takeaway from the Fox News coverage is uh, they're trying to push Marco Rubio. Yeah, no kidding. Good night. So at the so they announced the results. They said, "All right, uh, oh, what's his name that won the Republican side? The the phony um, Ted Cruz, Goldman Sachs, Ted Cruz." So Ted Cruz wins. Uh, Donald Trump finishes second. Marco Rubio finishes third. And so they announce this. And they cut to uh, Donald Trump talking? No. Ted Cruz talking because he won. No. Marco Rubio. And so I'm like, is everyone showing Marco Rubio talk? The guy who finished third? Uh, so I looked MSNBC, Marco Rubio, CNN, Marco Rubio showed his whole speech, which, um, they might well have, and I'm sure they did show other candidates, you know, closing speeches as well. But the difference is everyone at that point is turning off, right? They found out what happened. Then they're going to go watch something else. So that was like the prime time slot. And it was, well, I guess all the, you know, mainstream Republicans have to get behind Marco Rubio. He's their candidate. He's the one, you know, mainline Republican candidate. Now, if you don't want to vote for a a fringe candidate, Marco Rubio is the only one. He finished third. Right. But he did so well by, oh, he was expected to do much worse. And he did so great, blah, blah, blah. Marco Rubio, Marco Rubio. So that's the the narrative. Okay. Um, he's such an obvious weasel <laughs> that I, I don't think he'll get very far. But, you know, I mean, someone's got to win, right? <laughs> Well, and do you still stand to that the the Republican loses? Yeah, I mean, it, it, at some level, it, it doesn't matter. Um, 
I think Trump full on throws the election um, or, or they've got enough dirt to make sure that he's got no chance, even, even to cancel out the Hillary dirt, no matter what comes out there. Um, but Marco Rubio, the guy, remember he was like the tea party candidate. Okay. Oh, he's tea, tea party, tea party. Oh yeah. Marco Rubio. That's how he was described. Tea party, darling, tea party, this tea party, that, and, Everyone even back then knew he was like not Tea Party at all. He was like slightly on the conservative side of mainstream Republican, but um, but that was the that's how he got into the Senate. Um, but now he's all like, oh, the mainstream, respected, very reasonable person uh, next to the lunatics Cruz and Trump. So. Yeah, there's there's definitely a concerted effort to say, all right, uh, you know, we wanted Jeb Bush, but clearly that's not happening. So everyone needs to start dropping out and shifting your support to Marco Rubio. That's what I saw. Perfect. Rubio will be an awesome addition to the empire. So, so they want like Rubio against Cruz and Trump, thinking that. Uh, Cruz and Trump will split off the, like the angrier anti-establishment wings of the Republican Party. Right, but I feel like that's that's the Trump the Trumpy, Trumpies, the Trump Trump Trumples. Well, that's the 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 Cruises too. That's his thing. Is it? Yeah. I mean, so the. Split it three ways with the hope that Marco Rubio can take it, but I don't. I don't think they're. I don't think the establishment worries about any of those three candidates whatsoever. As far as like threats to the establishment, and you're the saying, empire, and you're saying Rubio, Cruz, and I'm saying at this point, um, the powers that be would prefer Rubio over over Cruz or Trump. Okay. Okay, and the, the watch for the media pushing uh, anti-Trump, anti-Cruz, and positive Rubio stuff. Um, but uh, Trump is not uh, certainly not out. I mean, Iowa doesn't. They always act like Iowa's so important because it's the first one um but it's really not that predictive of who's going to win and not that huge of a deal uh i mean ted cruz kind of threw everything he had into iowa and he did end up winning barely but um still his overall chances are, are pretty slim so this story so one of the narratives is that like Trump will say anything, right? Right. He's he's a loose cannon. He'll say what any, everyone else won't say. Oh, he's so anti-establishment. Okay. So this article Trump can't be bought. Neither can Bernie. It's the yeah. unbuyables. Yeah. Uh, so this comes from Vice News, which you know, hey, take the source uh, with the grain of salt there. But the salacious ammo even Donald Trump won't use in a fight against Hillary Clinton. 
And it starts with the Trump quote. If Hillary thinks she can unleash her husband with this terrible record of women abuse while playing the women's card on me, she's wrong, Donald Trump tweeted at the end of December. He was referring, of course, to his potential Democratic rival for the presidency, Hillary Clinton, and her husband, Bill. While other GOP candidates indicated they wouldn't make Bill Clinton's sexual improprieties an issue in the campaign, Hillary's Democratic rival, Bernie Sanders, said the same. Trump was making it plain he would. That's what makes Donald Trump more dangerous than any person out there, MSNBC host Joe Scarborough said on a show a week after Trump's tweet. He will bring up stuff that nobody else will bring up. And Scarborough had a specific figure that, from Bill Clinton's past in mind. People in the know always talk about Jeffrey Epstein. Palm Beach billionaire Jeffrey Epstein is a financier and political donor. He is also a convicted sex offender who is the subject of ongoing litigation from at least a dozen of his then-underage victims. Flight logs show Bill Clinton traveled at least ten times on Epstein's private jet, dubbed the Lolita Express by tabloids, and he is widely reported to have visited Little St. James, Epstein's private island in the U.S. Virgin Islands. That's where, according to attorneys for Epstein's victims, many of the worst crimes against minors were committed by Epstein and friends who traveled there with him. In a 2011 interview with her attorneys, Virginia Roberts, one of the teenagers preyed upon by Epstein, said he told her that he had compromising information on Bill Clinton and that the former president owes me a favor. Yet despite Bill Clinton's ties to Epstein and Trump's stated willingness to make Clinton's sexual past an issue in the campaign, Trump will almost certainly avoid bringing up Epstein's name. Because in addition to haunting Bill Clinton's past, Epstein also hunts, haunts Trump's. Trump's attorney, Alan Garten, told Vice News last week that the presidential candidate had no relationship with Epstein and only knew him because Epstein was a member of Mar-a-Lago, Trump's private club and residence in Palm Beach. A lot of people hung out there, including Jeffrey Epstein, Garten said. That is the only connection. But according to someone with intimate knowledge of the situation, Trump and Epstein appeared to have a somewhat stronger connection. I've known Jeff for 15 years. Terrific guy, Trump told New York Magazine in a 2002 profile of Epstein, written three years before Epstein began to be investigated. He's a lot of fun to be with. It is even said that he likes beautiful women as much as I do, and many of them are on the younger side. No doubt about it, Jeffrey enjoys his social life. When asked about a subpoena served to Trump in 2009, Garten said it never happened. The subpoena called for Trump to give a deposition in a case against Epstein. Garten's denial baffled Brad Edwards, one of Virginia Roberts' attorneys. There is no debate over what happened, Edwards told Vice News. I served Mr. Trump with a subpoena for deposition in 2009. He talked to me voluntarily, and consequently we withdrew the subpoena in light of his voluntary, voluntarily providing information. I can't imagine there being any dispute of any of this. Edwards also said that it is obvious Trump himself was not involved in any of Epstein's illicit activity. I don't know how obvious that is, but anyway. Uh, three days after denying the subpoena, Garten emailed Vice News. Brett Edwards called me to let me know that you had reached out to him, Garten said. I looked back at my records and saw that Mr. Trump was subpoenaed. In 2000, both Trump and Epstein reportedly attended a small party hosted by media magnate Conrad Black, who in 2007 was convicted and served time in prison for fraud and obstruction of justice. The fraud charges were overturned on appeal. Black is currently an enthusiastic supporter of Trump's presidential bid. Mark Epstein, Jeffrey's brother, testified in 2009 that Trump flew on Jeffrey's private jet at least once. Meanwhile, message pads, see below from Epstein's Palm Beach mansion, were seized by investigators and obtained by Vice News, indicate that Trump called Epstein twice in November of 2004. And it has those 
call logs uh, saying, oh, yeah, Donald Trump called. Am I taking crazy pills over here? I feel like I've searched our website numerous times for Epstein, and I cannot find one reference, and I'm searching. Uh, oh. Well, we've ta- we talked about Epstein. We've, we've yeah. talked about the, the secret flight, Lolita Express. Yes, yeah. And Clinton and uh, Prince Andrew. That's right, Prince Andrew. Was, yeah. Well, I mean, if, if Prince Andrew was on, I mean, that was just a lot of, you know, just a lot of rich people. It's not, it's not a big deal. <laughs> Said the... Uh, where? I just It's so strange I can't reference this article. But So, where there's smoke, there's fire, Trump? Yeah, I mean, it goes on with, with more details of what the actual complaints are, who was involved. Um, and it doesn't have, like, smoking gun. Trump was actually... Um, and I mean, Epstein is a billionaire, right? So he's the, he's gonna know a lot of billionaires, and just because you run into the guy or call the guy doesn't mean you know everything that's going on. But um, I think the article makes a valid point. You won't hear Donald Trump bring up Jeffrey Epstein. So there's because he doesn't want to be. Implicated right along with Bill Clinton there. Even though there's a lot more tying Bill Clinton to the actual activities going on than, than Donald Trump. But. You want to hear something creepy? I'm just re- referencing this again, but uh, President, so they're lo- looking at the flight logs. President mm-hmm. William J. Clinton, Kevin Spacey, and Chris, <laughs> Tuck- and Chris Tucker all on the flight at the same time. As well as, of course, Alan Dershowitz, and then Princess Sarah Ferguson on the ground. Meet with the princess. There he is. High-profile lawsuit. There's a look that these guys get when they abuse just enough children, and Epstein has that look. You know, mm-hmm. what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. The yeah. the eyes look like Jimmy Savile. Or uh, that dude from Penn State or whatever. Um, oh, Sandusky, yeah. Yeah, the, you know what I'm talking about? The Which that, that sure got covered up. Yeah. I mean, they. oh yeah, it's all uh, Joe Paterno's fault at the end. Yeah, it's all Joe Paterno's fault. Didn't It didn't go any further. And he died, and the end. The end. No, nothing else. No other. So, uh, yeah. A year ago, we talked about it. The Lolita Express masseuse reveals lurid details from Jeffrey Epstein's private... um, Private island. Private island and private flights. So, anyway, we've been through this before. I just just couldn't find it, a reference to the last time we talked about it. I thought I was going insane. Just following up on the the point that... um, Sorry, yeah, please. Trump is not blackmail proof. Uh So, forget uh, the whole... Oh, he can't be bought because he's rich already. Give me a break. He's, well, and he's just as easily controlled as as the rest of them. We don't have any proof of this, but I mean, is he on those flights along with Bill? <laughs> yeah, because he definitely was buddies with Bill Clinton, um, and yeah, the it's just. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. 
don't don't expect Donald Trump to be the beacon of uh, liberty and and justice. Oh come That's on, Andrew! Saying. Don't be a denier. <laughs> All right. Should we? Uh, oh no, I've got a couple um, satirical pieces. Oh, let's save those. Those are always so good. So I know I've got like I've got more than one. So I'm saying if we need to throw one in after the yeah. child abuse and Donald Trump and yeah that stuff. Let's hit, hit me with a satirical piece after this. I found this. No, no, go ahead. Let's do it. Go right now. Okay. All right. <laughs> so this one is, comes from the Onion about uh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, retreating Clinton campaign torches Iowa town to slow advance of Sanders volunteers. <laughs> <laughs> it shows a, a picture of like some smoldering rubble. It says Humboldt, Iowa, after making sure to douse every home, farm, and business located in the municipality with gasoline, retreating Clinton campaign staffers reportedly set the central Iowa town of Humboldt ablaze Friday to stem the advance of Bernie Sanders volunteers. <laughs> Once we received word that the Sanders campaign had begun canvassing in nearby Fort Dodge, we only had a matter of hours to burn everything to the ground, said communications director Jennifer Palmieri, who tossed a lit torch through the window of the town's hardware store before rushing over to help a, a group of Hillary for America workers erect a roadblock made of dead livestock <laughs> to, pre- to prevent all entrance to and exit from the city. Um, oh, sorry. Stupid website. All right. Um, with uh, with so little time left before voting day, we simply can't allow them to establish a foothold in this this part of the state. Besides, you can't convince anyone to caucus for Bernie Sanders if the civilian population is gone and all that's left is smoldering rubble. <laughs> At press time, Clinton campaign staffers were spotted rigging a nearby bridge with C4 as they hastily retreated to Algona. <laughs> all right. So that's, that's good stuff. If Hillary could thought she had to do that to win and she could get away with it, she would do it. There you go. There you go. So... Where to next? Are we going to go towards some... I got some stuff on the economy in here. Uh, It seemed like it was leveling off. It seemed like the correction was over. But then Japan messed it up. Did you hear what happened? No. I got no stories in here. Japan decided, I have an idea. Let's try negative deposit rates. I knew that... Because they've been trying to... uh... They're desperate cut interest rates to spur the economy for what 20 years yeah it's, it, it'll work eventually just keep just keep tr- going for it you know the country that needs immigrants japan yeah just, they've got they've got a very aging population because that was part of the rockefeller deal post-world war ii all right we'll build you up but you got to bring in eugenics and so cut your population down. It looked like everything was getting better, and then all of a sudden, so this you know this seems like a uh, a market correction. Everything was on on the up and up, and there was about gosh, is Google does Google have the most amazing advertising when it comes to the internet or what? How many times <laughs> did you read Alphabet, their parent company now worth more than Apple this week? 
Um, honestly, yeah. I, I hate to burst your bubble, but zero. Okay, well, that's good. That, that's why this show is sometimes good, because you and I run in different circles. But yeah. good night, I could not let, like, did you know Alphabet, the parent company of Google, now worth more than Apple? Hey, did you know? It's like, oh, my gosh, really? Is Apple the, I mean, sure, they're the standard bearer for the tech or whatever, but it's just, it was everywhere. It was, everybody was just like, it's just a retread, too. So, like, one source puts it out there, so then everybody just re blogs it on their blog right. and anyway well that did not last long this is from zero hedge i should probably put this in the secret folder there we go there it is okay <clears throat> bank of japan adopts negative interest rates fails to increase qe well, that did not last long. After initial exuberance over the Bank of Japan's wishy-washy decision to adopt a third-tier rate policy, including NIRP markets, which have realized that without further asset purchases, which were maintained at the current pace, there is no ammo to lift the stocks. An almost 200-point surge in Dow futures has been erased as the Nikkei 225 has dropped 1,000 points from its post-BOJ highs. Dow futures have absolutely plunged. Um... <clears throat> of course, the reality that is sinking is starting to sink in, as Cities Matt King noted, without an acceleration in direct reserve increases, the net then the net net this is a negative for the only indicator that matters most to the world financials, global net liquidity, which with EM reserves bleeding and the Fed on hold, China merely papering over the cracks with daily help and ECB jawboning means the the world's lar- last best hope. Kordosan just let them down. We hope that after they meet, they see the following chart, which only shows DM. This is, of course, from Zero Hedge. There's a lot of financial charts and stuff in here. But uh, let's skip on down here. The danger is that negative rates put the sustainability of the Bank of Japan's policy framework at risk. It's kind of a, like, uh, it's what you would call maybe a a haymaker. Like, they're putting it all into this, and if it doesn't land, then we're all in trouble, and everybody's a little bit freaked out by that. So the well, mar- the markets began to respond pretty insane after that. Can you explain to me why you would keep your money in the bank with a negative interest rate? At this point, you wouldn't. It's to, supposedly to drive people away from putting their money in the bank, but they also said they weren't going to use the, they weren't going to apply it to the ones that were already there. It was just any new money. So it's like keeping money out. But what it does is that this constant tinkering is starting to, to eat away at the foundation of like everything. And I, in the, and I'm not saying that the foundation is sound. I'm certainly not here to say that that is the case, but it seems that when everybody's on a different page, then uh, this is the sort of stuff that can happen. Um, everybody's, you know, trying to to get things back in the upward direction, and then we we get this crazy stuff coming out of the Bank of Japan. And by the way, Japan. And they say, hey, you know what? If we just had, you know, a, a global central bank and a global currency, we could solve all these things. Hey, Bank of Japan, get on board. We're we're moving the market up. Don't be doing this stuff. I mean, we have. They are really just. They've been continuing to foil the uh, banksters of the U.S.'s plans over and over and over again. City has lost. Like I mean, there were some crazy numbers posted. So if I can find this post, do, 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 do. It, it's just basically not looking good. Not looking good. Uh, I do think it's a correction. It'll eventually oh, fix on, uh, itself. But 
Well, I, I think for the people that are on the inside and pulling the strings, all volatility is good volatility. Okay, so this is the monthly returns on some U.S. and European banks. I'll just play this for the listeners. This is from the Dvorak's Horowitz Unplugged uh, show, which has uh, John C. Dvorak and money manager Andrew Horowitz. We see that uh, over this last, let's see what period it is, year to date, listen to these numbers, right? Huntington Bank shares down 23.5%. Year to date, Texas Bank shares 31%. Mortgage- year to date from January 1st. Right, we're talking about one month. To now. Right. A month. A month. Bank of America down 21%. Citigroup down 21%. Morgan Stanley down 23%. Goldman down 15%. JP down 13 Now, the European banks, there's some real concern about what's going on with the European banks. Now, they, again, have negative interest rates there. They have um, incredible stimulus that's going on by the ECB. They have a very favorable currency situation, right? Deutsche Bank down 30%. They have their own problems, but Deutsche Bank down 30%. One year down 41%. Credit Suisse down 23%, Barclays 23%, BNB Paribas down 21%, uh, Royal Bank of Scotland 22%, Banco Santander down 21%, Sockgen in France down 24%. I mean, it just goes on and on. That's just year to date. So something, it's, it can't be just oil because if it was just oil, you would see that te- Texas Capital Bank shares would be down you know, 31% year to date or so. However, you know, maybe some of the big banks wouldn't be hit so hard. Pretty ugly situation. No, no, they're, they're blaming stuff. Everybody blames things on oil. Right. Which is nonsense. Or the weather. So it seems like it's been an ugly January for the banks, which, you know, I'm no fan of the banks, but it seems like this is kind of what, the, what I put together just listening to that and reading up on this throughout the, the, the uh, day and last week here. It's like. Everybody was playing musical chairs, and everything's you know all is all is well and good till Japan walked over and like turned the music off. <laughs> Japan's like, what if we just do this? Like ah. <laughs> so, um, I got. I mean, I got nothing else. I don't know what's going on here. Um, but you know, there's a few stories. Retail apocalypse 2016 brings empty shelves and store closings all across America from Zero Hedge. Thought these were interesting. Walmart's closing 269 stores, 154 in the U.S. Kmart, which I didn't even know still existed, <laughs> closing down more than two dozen stores over the next several months. J.C. Penney permanently shut down 47 more stores for a total of 40 stores in uh, after after closing 40 stores in 2015. Macy's has decided to shutter its 36 stores and lay off approximately 2,500 people. The Gap is in the process of closing 175 stores in North America. Aeropostale is in the process of closing 84 stores across America. Who cares? Aeropostale's terrible. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Finish Line <laughs> has announced that 150 stores will be shutting down over the next few years. Sears has shut down 600 stores over the past year or so, but sales on those stores remain open and they continue to fall precipitously all these store closings are only part of the story all over the country shoppers are noticing bare shelves and alarmingly low inventories why would low inventory be so concerning i don't know that doesn't make too much sense to me either but i think you know part of that let's let's talk about the retail apocalypse as he's calling it you know i feel like amazon is killing a lot of this stuff do you go to the store anymore i mean i hate to admit this but I, i i buy almost everything online well i just i don't after i try to buy like organic food Mm -hmm. can't really buy anything else so that's kind of 
So yes, I do go to the store, the grocery store. Yeah, actually, I, my my daughter. Uh, so you know, there's like the Safeway supermarket, and then there's some other stores next to it. And uh, I took uh, took my daughter to run to the grocery store to kind of get her out of my wife's hair, and uh, she says, "Those aren't daddy stores." <laughs> and then we get to the grocery store. She said, "There's Daddy's store." I said, "That's right. That's the only store Daddy goes to, isn't it?" She says, "Yeah, that's Daddy's store. The others are Mommy's stores." So, <laughs> well, there you go. So you don't buy anything. I do buy things on occasion, but when I do, it's all on Amazon. I mean, it's, you know, I just come home and hey, there's a present for me at home when right. I get home from work. So I think that's part of what's killing the country. I think a lot of or the these retailers I, I did i was out on sales calls the other day and we've got a uh one of our customers is the oldest bookstore in oregon and they're still going and i bought a um the oldest bookstore in oregon is it pals no oh. no it's the, the famous pals books no uh, it's in the dalles and uh they still have like the original floors and you purchased a book, like bought a paper book? Bought a paper book. Weird. Tiny little thin paper book by, uh, called Dumbing Us Down by um, <laughs> John Taylor Gatto. <laughs> That's great that they had that in stock. That's amazing. Yeah. No, they had, they had some good books in stock. Uh, you know, it's, it was like 13 bucks for a tiny little paperback book that I probably could have got for 5 bucks on Amazon, but... Um, and there was a oh um the sinister forces books mhm they had those as well which i've been wanting to read those at some point but uh it was like 25 bucks so no i'll get that one from amazon but. so i got another one here that is related to the economy but i i but don't it, know how so anyway i, I kind of rabbit trailed us but i agree with you that Amazon um, and direct-to-consumer online retailing uh, is replacing retail. I mean, the, there's a serious flaw with the whole retail system. Yeah, and it's being exposed in a huge, huge way. Uh, Macy's, like, I don't know. Have you ever purchased anything from Macy's ever? Uh, I think my wife has. Okay. Um, well, you should, if, but you guys share an email account. Uh, yes. How many so I've ad- seen Macy's ads like crazy. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I feel like at some point in the last three or four years, anytime you purchase anything from Macy's, they just started to spam you to death. It's a sale. Yeah. It's a, it's a Thursday sale. It's an open till midnight sale. It's a, you know, January 26th sale. It's the. Everything was just a sale. There's mailers saying sale, sale, sale. It's been nothing but sales for like the last two or three years. And it's like, Macy's turns out they're going to be closing some of their doors. Like, no kidding. Every yeah. time I, I mean, and I get on the website, it's hard to navigate. The, the stuff that's on sale is never the stuff you want. It's just like, anyway, it's just, it's not a surprise to, to me anyway, after seeing the way that they have been doing business this last few years. Another story related to the economy. I don't know how this all connects, but I find this of note. Um, and this is kind of out of nowhere, but I do work in the car industry. And uh, one of my 
my friend was telling me this crazy stat, and I couldn't hardly believe it. And uh, so I looked it, it up, and sure enough, it is true. Tim? Yes. I checked my uh, quarantine report on my email. Yeah. Um, shop at email.macy's.com. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Quarantine. I, I Hold on. If I could check. There's a... When I actually look in, is it fast mail? Hmm. When I actually look in my mailbox, like on the website, not the one that like on my phone or on like my email mm-hmm. email client on my computer. If I actually check the website, I can look at a junk folder that I never see. Ah, spam. Macy's airport reservations one. Macy's January thirty first. Macy's January thirtieth. Macy's January 29th, Macy's January 27th, Macy's January 24th, Macy's January 22nd. This goes all the way back through, looks like this is uh, all the way through December 31st. I've basically got 25 emails in the month of January Yeah, from Macy's. Uh, Macy's, you're doing it wrong. I, I think you're doing something wrong, and it's no surprise to me they're closing their stores. <clears throat> the low loony is attracting Americans to Canadian used cars, and that may mean higher prices for you. And for you, this is a Canadian story. So a loony is a Canadian dollar. Um, and this is a Canadian story, so of course it's talking about that it's going to mean high, higher prices for Canadians. But the Canadian dollars plunged to a nearly 13-year low. See, these are the weird things that happen when there's a currency you know, war going back and forth. Mm-hmm. We're manipulating this. They're manipulating that. The free market will find a way. And uh, this is an interesting uh, way that this has developed. Fishmongers and other important uh, import-reliant retailers warning that shoppers can expect further price increases in the coming months. New data from Auto Trader California, or excuse me, Auto Trader Canada shows that there was a 28% increase in U.S. traffic to the auto classified site between uh, November 1st and December 31st, compared to the same period in 2014, when the Canadian dollar was higher by about 14 cents U.S. As the Canadian dollar has weakened more and more, we've seen the demand coming from the U.S. increase," said Ian McDonald, director of consumer marketing for Auto Trader Canada. It kind of moves in lockstep. The weaker it is, the more we see increased traffic from the U.S. to our site. According to a, to data from uh, DeRosier's Automotive Consultants, nearly 200,000 used vehicles were imported to the United States from Canada in 2015. This is the highest level since 2002 and a significant increase from the approximately 75,000 vehicles uh, imported in 2014. Do you think it's individuals or dealers it's dealers it's got to be dealers yeah it's dealers i can i can tell you with a good uh reliability that it's actually the dealers uh i've spoke to somebody recently about this who said that they estimated that fifty-five thousand cars have been inter- in entered into the u.s from canada into the state of washington in january alone after two hundred thousand. wow last year 
much below 90 cents US, you start to see a trickle going south. And now that we're down to about 70 cent price range, it's more of a flood, said Dennis Raziers, president of the consulting firm. This is the denting, this is denting the supply of used vehicles available in Canada. Last year's exports amounted to about 7% of the total market, which means Canadians are paying more, said Carlos Gomes, senior econo- economist and auto industry specialist at Scotiabank. Coming into last year, the expectation was prices would fall and would actually begin to weaken a bit because you were going to get an increased number of vehicles coming off of lease. It just goes to show you the demand improvement is overwhelming any supply increase. Uh, this could even be a factor in the 1.9 million vehicle, uh, new vehicles that Canadians bought in 2015, the third consecutive record year for Canadian auto sales. So they're selling new cars like crazy. Uh, they sold a record number of new cars last year. And part of that might be just because they don't have used cars to purchase because the United States dealers and in, and, and probably individuals are buying all of those cars. <laughs> it does keep resale value just a little bit higher than the otherwise would be, and that obviously helps the buyers of new vehicles uh, in that they get more for their trade-in. However, Gomes stressed that used vehicle affordability in Canada remains at record highs despite the increase in prices. An October report of Scotia Bank found that a typical Canadian family now has has to work 8.1 weeks to purchase a used vehicle compared to 13 weeks at the turn of the millennium. According to Auto Trader Canada, Americans were most likely to search for Lexus, Dodge, and GMC, while searches that saw the biggest year-over-year increases were for BMWs, Buicks, and Cadillacs. As you could probably tell from those vehicles, the general trend that we see is that it tends to be more luxury vehicles than it, that Americans are browsing for on our site. That stands to reason because a lot of what's driving this is the value they can get for their dollar. So obviously the more dollars they're spending, the greater the savings. And that is a hundred percent true. Um, it is kind of crazy right now. Uh, and so, you know, I was informed by a reliable source that, uh, the government is trying to stop this. As a matter of fact, they're going to start quarantining cars for like an extended period of time, which, uh, the Canadian government or American government, the, uh, American government, because the American government doesn't love it either because all of these all that money is going to Canada. <laughs> so there are auction houses in Canada that don't really care. Money is money and the dollar's worth more anyway, so that's coming through. Um, but they know that the cars are just going to end up in Canada or in the U.S. The state of Washington, as well as the, I don't know if the federal government's got involved, but the state of Washington has actually started saying, okay, we're going to put a stop to this. We're going to start quarantining cars. We're going to start charging tariffs on it, start charging this, start charging that, which kind of made me laugh and was the original reason I put this story in here because the free market will always find a way. If you let oh, yeah. it go, the free market will find a way. And no, it, you get, you if you're a car, <laughs> if you own a car dealership, and you know there's some rule you can't bring in a, you know, semi truck loaded up with cars, then you just go up to Western Washington University right on the border, and you know get a van full of college kids, <laughs> send them over, tell them to each buy a car and drive it back. <laughs> there will always be something that the free market will do. And it's funny because government is always trying to impede it to keep more money for itself. There's... And this is and this is another example of that. So some of the money is actually leaving the state. The state that charges tolls on roads, charges 
fees on internet. We can't have, I mean, this is the second biggest tech capital of the world. And the only thing we have is Comcast internet or DSL out here in the suburbs, which is like <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I guess I could sign my soul over to the devil and get Google, Google fiber or actually just like beg them to come here. Cause they're not here yet. Why? Oh, Cause no, the they're... government here is terrible. It's terrible. And they, they, they try to stop anytime something starts to grow that they can't control. They try to stop it. Right now, we actually have three lanes that are totally tolled on the east side. Six-lane highway, you can sit on the right three lanes with all the other plebeians and be in the traffic jam. Or you can pay the rotating toll that will take a picture of your license plate and send it to you. Sometimes to go a stretch of six to eight miles, it's about $10. <laughs> Wow. This is the government at work. This is what it's like. We're getting too many of these cars in cheap that people can go to the dealership, buy for cheap. The dealership can make money. The consumer can be happy. The car is the exact same as if it had come from the United States or straight from Japan or straight from wherever. But what we can't do that because we're sending that money out of the United States and we should keep that here so we can feed our greedy coffers of our government. It's oh, just yeah. Another we don't, we don't perfect... have a problem with GM opening plants in brazil or whatever gm which is american backed and was part of the bailout anyway i'm just so sick of the government sticking its big fat fingers and everything and rant and rant that is my that is tim's financial corners come on man with bernie sanders the government will do everything for us with oh gosh it'll pay for our college and pay for our health care since I'm on this, on this rant already, I threw these stories in. Did you read the Natural News or the New York Times article about the uh, Chipotle? Which one were you checking out there? The Natural News article. Okay, so that is an interesting article. You want to read that for us or sure. part of it or what yep. you think is important? So uh, we've never discussed this on the show, but Tim and I both love Chipotle. Big big fan of Chipotle. Love them. In fact, have I ever talked about my... Uh, I bet you have. Maybe let's see. Stock picking days. No, please tell. So oh, this will be good. <laughs> so, uh, when I lived in Phoenix, Arizona, mm-hmm. it wasn't like the first Chipotle, but it was early. I mean, you know, there weren't a, there weren't Chipotles everywhere. I don't think there were any in Oregon at that point. Right. And I'm like, this place is awesome. Right. I'm gonna go. You know, uh, do you want to explain what it is? Because I think some people may not know what it is. You don't have one so, near you, so okay. So Chipotle, if you're unfortunate enough not to live close to one, uh, you walk in and you can get a burrito, or you can get a burrito without a tortilla, a, a bowl, all right? And uh, steak, which is actually really good steak, which is extremely rare. Um, Oh, you know, chicken, which is good chicken. Anyway, so they they currently, and only recently, they said we're we will have no GMO ingredients whatsoever. Everything will be organic. Well, yeah, and look, I'm, I'll rewind it back a little further. Sorry to ask you okay. to do it and then not be happy with your <laughs> okay. with your thing. Right. But they basically, it's a small small company that started on a small scale in Denver, and they were just going to use all natural ingredient whole foods, and it exploded. 
to all the places you'd think it would. It went it went to uh, you know the places in Southern California. You right. know, it went to San Francisco. It was huge up here in Seattle. It was big there in Boulder, Colorado, and in all the natural food eating places everywhere. Uh, became a very big uh, staple for millennials or younger people who just wanted to <laughs> well, eat natural food. But it's, it's like it's a fast huge food. burrito for like six bucks. Yeah. And it's and fast food. Yeah. The, and you can almost never go to a Chipotle without standing in a line of 30 people, but you'll still be through the line in like two or three minutes. Exactly. So I'm like, this is great. I'm going to, I'm going to buy stock in Chipotle, right? And you should have. And uh, it was it had not gone public yet. Ah. So I'm like, ha. Ah, well, you know, when it does, I will. And then I moved to Korea, forgot about it, came back, and Chipotle's stock price had like, I don't know what it's what multiple it's gone like ten times what it started or something like that. So. I actually sold a car to employee number fifteen. Of Chipotle. Oh, yeah? She was uh, quite <laughs> quite on the ground floor. Very cool. So so anyway, so it's one of those things where you're like, this is going to be huge. And it, and it was huge. It's like Whole Foods without the markup and more ethical. Yeah, and they, they're kind of crazy. They're like, oh, you know, we should probably raise prices. But, but Taco Bell is trying to c- compete with us. So we want to keep our prices down. It's like... The Taco Bell supposed competitive product is terrible. It is absolutely it tastes like so. I mean, there's no comparison. Don't, so, tell, don't tell my wife. Yeah. So um, anyway, Chipotle. Yes, g- good product. And uh, a couple months ago, E. Coli, which uh, here in the Northwest, it actually busted out here in the Northwest. That my uh, local Chipotle, which is just a few minutes from my work, closed down. Here, yeah, they closed down some of the ones in in Portland too. Um, and the Northwest, we're familiar with E. coli outbreaks because of the Jack in the Box E. coli outbreak, which was um, I don't know how long ago that was now. Two thousand ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in there. So, you know the the dreaded E. coli. Which is basically poop in your food. I mean, it's poop in the beef. Or what? In that case, yes, it was from the beef mm-hmm. at the Jack in the Box. So, and this is from the E. coli. F- f- yeah, go ahead. Okay, so um, this article from Natural News: CDC investigation of Chipotle further supports corporate sabotage or bioterrorism as likely source of E. coli contamination comes from Mike Adams, the health ranger. Uh, After months of investigation, the CDC has now reached a conclusion that provides yet more support for the likelihood that Chipotle was the victim of corporate sabotage by the biotech industry, which targeted Chipotle because of its non-GMO menu. On December 23rd of last year, I wrote about the likelihood of bioterrorism as the cause of Chipotle's E. coli problem, pointing out that the corporate sabotage was 100% consistent with the actions of the biotech industry, and its criminal-minded mafia of operatives. See MonsantoMafia.com for a list of all the mafia members. That article was predictably downplayed by the mainstream media, whose journalists remained absolutely clueless about the death threat, censorship, defamation, 
and other dirty tactics routinely used by biotech industry shills to silence opposition. Um, and by the way, the main tactic they use is just uh, to control the FDA. But we'll, we'll move on. Uh, but now the CDC has reached a conclusion in its investigation of Chipotle that further supports my original contention. The E. coli outbreaks at Chipotle Mexican Grill restaurants in the United States appear to be over, but investigators have been unable to trace the cause of the sickness, federal authorities said on Monday, reports the New York Times. Investigators were unable to specify the food or ingredient responsible for the contamination. And Usually when you have an E. coli outbreak, they say, okay, well, it all came from um, this spinach from Mexico that turned out to have, you know, feces sprayed on it and whatever. Or this beef, uh, this contaminated beef that was sent out. There's a particular food product from a particular source that is the source of the contamination. They can't find it. Skipping down Chipotle very likely increasing its own operational security. It is my contention that we have just witnessed America's first act of corporate bioterrorism in the food wars. This fact may never be confirmed with absolute certainty, but now the CDC's own investigation provides further support of this being the most likely explanation. I'd imagine that Chipotle executives are privately taking this possibility very seriously, even if they cannot publicly confirm such consideration. They already know they've been targeted by the vindictive biotech industry, which tried to defame Chipotle with its chubby Chipotle campaign that ridiculously claimed that eating fresh food ingredients would make you fat. Watch for signs of Chipotle boosting its own operational security because of all this. This will likely be reflected in the company's screening and training of its own employees, as well as increased video surveillance over its food-serving stations. Um, because when you go into Chipotle... It's kind of like a subway style setup where you you pick your food. pick out yeah you pick out each ingredient and you're kind of right on the other side of a screen from it. So what Mike Adams is saying is it would have been fairly easy just to you know with a spray bottle or whatever spray some E. coli on on the food while you walk through the line. Uh, let's see. Chipotle is an ethical company with the pioneering vision of what clean fast food should look like. As such, Chipotle is an industry disruptor that threatens the waning dominance of the factory processed, chemically formulated food giants like McDonald's and KFC. The GMO agri-giants that produce the low-grade ingredients sourced by McDonald's and other fast food giants aren't happy about Chipotle disrupting their poison-for-profit business model, and they've decided to play nasty, which is how the biotech industry operates by default. This means we probably haven't seen the last of corporate-sponsored bioterrorism in America. Watch for more malicious attacks on ethical food companies by the biotech industry. A nefarious cabal of truly evil corporations run by criminal-minded deceivers who have made it their mission to destroy healthy food companies that avoid GMOs. All right, so that's his uh, conspiracy theory take on it. But I think that makes a lot of sense. It absolutely does. I didn't even know about this until you read it. I guess I must have missed it when I went through the story. ChubbyChipotle.com. Check that out. Yeah, I've, I noticed that there were... Um, I didn't notice the Chubby Chipotle thing, but I noticed, like, they had this, like, tell-all from Live employees. on the sh- Live on the show, go there. 
ChubbyChipotle.com. Give, okay. give it a whirl. This is and I saw good. one where it's like, oh, you know, Chipotle just has loaded with sodium and it's not really that healthy and whatever. Um, it's like, all right, ChubbyChipotle.com. The ch- hey, the Chipotle- have we got any offers for uh, BurnedOut.com yet? Not that I know of. We got to got to ramp up our, our food with hypocrisy. So I wonder who uh, Center for Consumer Freedom was the one at the bottom. They all they have an ad campaign about how PETA kills animals, which I thought was interesting. I mean, this is vicious. Oh, how to speak Chipotle? Number one, GMO free marketing term describing food that isn't healthier or safer, but does cost more. Healthy. Wow. Burritos with as many as 1,500 calories. Three, sustainable. We don't know what this means, but it sounds good. Four, antibiotic-free. Animals are denied medicine that could prevent disease. Oh, and by the way, all meat you buy is antibiotic-free. Five, sofrito, a word we made up for tofu. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and then you can't spell Chipotle without E. coli. Which is an interesting, interesting post, considering what we just read. So I'm assuming this is put together by um, Center for Consumer Freedom Screams uh, PR Front Company. Absolutely. From Monsanto or someone. Monsanto. (laughs) The Chipotle diet, one Chipotle burrito can have more calories than four and a half McDonald's cheeseburgers. Yeah, and who cares? But you build it yourself. Like... Well, but if you put who like, cares, who cares about calories too? Calories. That's a valid point. Thank you. That's a valid yeah. point. I, I I didn't put two and two then, together then, there. Where and you could have. you could drink like ten liters of diet soda and it wouldn't matter because it's no calories. I I prefer yeah. just a liter of cola. <laughs> so, yeah, there's. Can we get a liter of cola? Liter of cola. <laughs> it's for a cop. A liter of cola. <laughs> Uh. (laughs) anyway uh i gotta tell my side of this story okay i feel like i've been duped there's a there's a chipotle i mean it is less than five minutes from my workplace i would eat there once a week without fail for the last two years um it's you know it's actually when i moved what it was like one of the things like i when i moved from one dealership to the next it's closer to chipotle yeah uh but I actually stopped. I stopped and like it was closed. And then I, I talked to some people at work. I just said, you're going to go back there. Right. And everybody's like, so it was about half and half. People are like, yeah, I'm going to go back there. It's just too good. I don't care. And then other people were like, no, I'm not going back there. That's just gross. Let's poop in your food. I'm like, okay, okay. So then it closed. So then they finally opened them up. So these stores were all closed all around Western Washington. It was a pretty big deal. I think that means Western Washington is one of the growing areas, according to this conspiracy theory, because I think they've been wildly successful here. Yeah. By the way. Well, I've never seen a Chipotle that wasn't wildly successful. Me neither. By the way, the first place I would look is who owns Qdoba? (laughs) Oh, okay. <laughs> because seriously, so I start asking around. Everybody's you know half and half. Okay, so then it opens back up, and I don't I don't darken the door mainly because it was December and I was pretty busy, and I just don't think of Chipotle when it's like freezing cold and I'm Christmas shopping. But whatever. So I didn't happen to darken the door of a Chipotle just by chance. Then 
a breakout all the way across the country in uh, Boston. Did you know that? There was like a food breakout. There's a some sort of a, I don't know if it was E. coli, but yet another issue with contamination in the Boston area. Another place I bet it was getting big, right? Mm-hmm. So they bust out over there, and then people at the work at work, even ones who were like, oh, I'm gonna stay with them, were like, forget it. This is terrible. No way. I can't believe they're doing this too. And so I feel like they've lost a lot of their fan base, at least just from my little corner of the world. And even me, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to get sick. Maybe I shouldn't eat there. Now, after reading this article, putting some thought to it, I think I might. But, uh, you know, I was about to be yet another person who stopped who stopped giving them a chance. So I guess that's my, 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 my trite little story. I, I also so- fell for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, E. coli is no fun. Right. There's oh, no and before anybody writes us, at one point, McDonald's invested in them, and uh, they blew up, like, got a lot bigger because they had some investment money from McDonald's as well as some advisors on how to expand. Right. And that's then, what I, I remember seeing, like, oh, Chipotle's in bed with Chipotle. McDonald's. Yeah. And, you know, McDonald's owned Chipotle. But if you actually research that, they – they invested in them and then were paid back and then Chipotle separated from them. So they were growing at such a rate. They needed to like talk to somebody about, Hey, how do you expand properly? Right. And who better to talk to than McDonald's? M- McDonald's, uh, did more like research on where to put locations than anybody. Right. And then there's the famous Burger King, uh, approach of that, just, just put- let's put it across the street from the McDonald's. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Let them do all the research, and then we'll put it close to McDonald's. Um, so that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. There's burritos and- with E. coli, <laughs> or maybe not E. coli. And that's the other thing too. When they when they were the ones that announced, "Hey, we're going completely GMO free, no antibiotics, right. no anything." I was just like, man, I already love this food. That is just amazing. I'm going to keep coming yeah. here. And like, I would ask, like, "Hey, do we got any pork?" They'd say, you know, we're having a hard time, you know, we really care about our meat and where it comes from. We're having a hard time, you know, finding a a pork producer that really meets our standards in Washington State. So for right now, pork is just not available. And one day I showed up and there it was. It's available. And they said, yeah. Got some carnitas. (laughs) Yeah, we found somebody (laughs) that we can work with. And I mean, the whole approach just sounded awesome. And now they're kind of freaked out talking about. uh, Right. They're like, okay, less local stuff. Less local stuff. We're going to have to, you know, figure out a way to do it all. Treat everything. All in one place and treat everything and keep an eye on stuff. I hope they just say, I hope they come out and say, screw you. Our food's cleaner than anyone anywhere else. You know, my. uh, um, And that's a good point. I mean, I don't want to say E. coli is good. E. coli is not good in any way. But it's a good sign when the food can get contaminated with something. You know what I mean? It's actual <laughs> food. I know that's insane. Is that insane? Am I insane? I think I'm insane. Yeah, that, that's insane. You don't want E. coli. I don't want to roll, but there's, I don't want there's to roll no, with that. There's no reason there would be um, E. coli in there just because it's like organic. Okay, for extra credit, Google. Not you, but any listeners at home. Google Iceland's last hamburger. Iceland's last McDonald's hamburger. <laughs> um. My grandpa, who uh, he died when I was three years old, um, but he was a, a doctor who's and one of his jobs because it was small town, especially back in those days, was to do like the health inspections. Um, 
So there's one fast food restaurant in town. He said, never eat there ever <laughs> any circumstances. Uh, but actually he said, if you're going to have a hamburger somewhere, Burgerville is a good place to do it. And it's interesting because back then they weren't like all the, you know, trying to be the healthier burger alternative that they are now, but at least they were clean. I don't even know what Burgerville is. So you don't I'm have not, Burgerville up there? I'm out of the loop, boss. Uh, it's it's very regional, but I thought it'd be up you, there. You don't have roads you got to pay $10 to drive on? I mean, <laughs> no. See what you're missing out on? <laughs> yeah. You can keep your Burgerville, bud. So I got Chipotle and expensive tolls. So Burgerville is not nearly on the Chipotle level, but it's trying to do like at least somewhat real food at a at a burger joint. So it's a lot more expensive, but it's My point is good food can go bad. You never hear about yeah. like I guess you do hear about it at fast food joints. But like I I you know when food goes bad it's like you know, it's good. That's that's it means it's like a, <laughs> it's a, it's an organic substance that's gone bad. Not the E. coli. Right. You you notice how if you go to the grocery store you see like the GMO tomatoes that look perfect. Mm-hmm. And then the organic tomatoes, which are going bad half the time. Yeah. It's because the shelf life is totally different. Yeah. It's like five minutes. <laughs> it's like a real, it's a real tomato versus, and you could see the appeal to the supermarket of selling the GMO one that they can leave out for two weeks and it still looks perfect. But <laughs> My just because it tastes terrible. My wife has a, uh, it's one of those some e-cards or I don't even know what it's from, but it's, it's, uh, been posted on our refrigerator for, I don't know, going on two plus years, but it's a little cartoon and it has a woman with pushing a shopping cart and it just says, it is extremely important that the produce, the produce that I buy and eventually discard is organic and locally produced. <laughs> 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 it it does bother me to to have like stuff in the refrigerator that goes bad. It's like why didn't you tell me about this stuff? I would have eaten it. Just, but when you buy organic food, like it goes bad. So yeah, you have to eat it. Yes, <laughs> but it doesn't go. It doesn't go uh, bad. So do you have you, do you have a sprouts up there? I don't know what sprouts is. So no, no. Okay. No. It's like a Whole Foods, but reasonably priced. Oh, you're eating micro food, micro greens down there now too. What are you? No, we don't have them down here. That's what I'm. I'm assuming up there where you've got Whole Foods and what have you. No. I oh, think... and and by the way, they they missed this on the No Agenda podcast because mm-hmm. um, they brought up the the story about how home values are like way higher in um, areas where there's. Um, Whole Foods and Trader Joe's. Right. So the reason for that is that... Whole Foods um, and Trader Joe's did their study and research. Yeah, because um, a lady that I used to work with, her daughter um, was fairly high up with, uh, I think, Whole Foods. One of, Anyway, one of those two. And I'm like, man, why don't we have... One of those stores in Yakima, which is a town of fifty, you know, fifty thousand people. It's not a tiny town. And she's like, "Oh no, it'll, it'll never be here." They only go to to zip codes that um, 
rank in like the top whatever you know 10% in income that's how they determine where to where to put their stores so they put their store there and of course the home values are on the upper end of the spectrum have been going up the fastest right yeah that makes sense i got it yeah. i got so that, that's what's driving it you know obviously it's not the the stores going and driving up the home value it's just they're targeting the same group of people yeah I fr- hey, I frequent all three of those places. I mean, I mean Chipotle, but Trader Joe's and uh, and Whole Foods because they happen to all be fairly close by. So, and so, I and, and when I don't go, but I I, I also, you know, it, I find it hard to believe that you can't that that's purely a financial decision. So um, you've and, always you've always said that this yeah. is this is hinting at genetic or at uh, eugenics again, right? The the poor people don't get to eat good food. Uh, the poor people don't get to eat good food. <laughs> yeah, the poor people survive on convenience store food and uh, strange, you know. But it's weird because they're, they're like not... all the the WIC approved stuff. Like uh, I don't know if WIC is a national, but you always see the signs at the grocery store WIC approved, which is like food stamps, right, or right. some version of it oh wick is probably uh wick is uh it's, uh, it's for women and small children like you yeah but that's have a baby that's gonna be uh it's gonna be statewide so i got ebt up here so no ebt is separate this is a okay okay yeah. well I, there you go i thought it was oregon and washington so i thought it was but uh the only thing we uh, share is weather and sports teams yeah so the uh but my point is the WIC approved stuff that you can get, um, you know, the government to help you pay for hostess Coca-Cola. Yeah, it's not that bad, but it's all like, it's not the organic milk. It's the non-organic milk. It's not the organic cheese. It's the non-organic, you know, all those dairy products and, and things like that. So, um, if you got a, it's a conspiracy, if, man. If you got to feed, they're trying to kill us off. If you got to feed five people with ten dollars, are you going to go to the grocery store and buy some produce, or are you going to go through the McDonald's drive-through and get five hamburgers for two dollars? I don't know. McDonald's prices are pr- pretty high these days. Go to Taco Bell. That's <laughs> the last <laughs> truly cheap fast food Taco Bell. Okay. So I have to know right now because I'm telling you this is who I'm pointing at for the uh, uh, sabotage of Chipotle. Okay. Is Qdoba or Taco Bell? It's Qdoba. So okay. uh, the company is wholly owned subsidiary. Okay, Qdoba is a subsidiary of Jack in the Box since its purchase of ACI Capital Western Growth. Da, 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 da. Zuma Fresh, Colorado. Mm, Jack in the Box knows the power of a good E. coli outbreak. They sure do. (laughs) (laughs) So I always thought Pepsi owned them, but I guess not. Which, okay, the main rivals to Qdoba are Chipotle. Pepsi Pepsi owns Taco Bell. Okay, the main rivals to Qdoba are Chipotle Mexican Grill, which also started in Denver two years before Qdoba. Baja Fresh, Moe's Southwest Grill, and to a smaller extent, Panchero's Mexican Grill. I will tell you this. The company was involved in a lawsuit which, with Panera Bread, which it claimed to invoke Panera, Panera's contract while 
with the White City Shopping Center in Shreveport, Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, to stop the opening of a Qdoba Mexican Grill. The clause, for, okay, on and on and on. Yeah, everyone at work has switched to Qdoba, and there's ah. two, and there's two close to the store. So I feel like there's, I mean, there's, there's Baja Fresh, not very good. No, but it turns out Baja not so fresh. <laughs> Baja doesn't know how to make salsa. <laughs> Baja is guacamole supposed Baja to be runny? <laughs> Baja, why do we're I totally need to put not, stro- not, We're totally burning bridges with potential show sponsors here. <laughs> why do I have to stick a straw on my guacamole fresh? <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh but that, anyway that's been my ob- observation there everyone's moved over to the qdoba side of the fence so mm. Mm. it's a good it's a good theory it's not bad yeah it's not bad i'm gonna i'm gonna hey, buy, by the way I'm qdoba gonna... lawyers mm-hmm. we don't have any money for you to sue so it's <laughs> our base of speculation yes it's free speech. So I'm gonna I'm gonna roll. I think I'm gonna get some Chipotle this next week. I'm gonna roll in with the bag, proud, set it down. Yeah, boom, yeah. Chipotle. What up? <laughs> and then just hope you don't have food poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> the whole the whole what, run. Be the worst timing ever. <laughs> I, yeah. I like drop it down the table, and the whole I could just see everybody p- pushes back from the table. Oh, <laughs> oh no! Stand back. He's got E. coli. Uh, I mean Chipotle. So did uh, did you and your wife continue watching Downton Abbey? Didn't didn't I suck you into that? You did not suck me into that. I have not continued to watch it. While my wife has encouraged me to watch it several times, the okay. the uh, amount of effort that it takes her to get me to watch an episode is l- greater than her drive to. Well, you won't you won't get the reference, but uh, to watch it on her own. <laughs> So when you're talking about getting sick from Chipotle, the the image I had from the latest episode is of the uh, um, Earl of Downton, who has his uh, is at a fancy dinner, and his ulcer bursts, and he like spews blood all over the table. So that was the. But they they really went over the top with it. Like they showed way too much blood spewing um so anyway that's the (laughs) the the image i had was uh like like, hey this chipotle is fine (laughs) that's that's great andrew let's hope it doesn't let's hope it doesn't happen the old downtown abbey the downtown abbey uh Totally, totally, this, to- this totally different is, show. This, this last season's pretty bad. Is it? Yeah. It's gone, gone the way of the Desperate Housewives. I, uh, I wouldn't, wouldn't know anything about the Desperate Housewives. I, I wouldn't either, but I just assumed rampant. Just everybody sleeps with everybody. Oh I no! Like, no. I, feel like if, I feel like if a series goes far enough, eventually everybody just sleeps with everybody. No, they not that bad, but. Uh, yeah, anyway, I won't get into that. No one cares. <laughs> I feel like at the end of Friends, they were like, what if Chandler... <laughs> <Right>. What combination <laughs> have we not tried? 
Um, you should probably talk about anything else if All right. if you can. Yeah, that was the long sideways rant. It's a long, long rant. It was good though. I think it was. We've good. got a ton of stories. And there's a million like stories in here. All right, so I believe I've talked about um, my uh, Greg Boyd reading binge back in my college days. Uh, I'm I'm not. Bring it, it's not ringing a bell with me. I'm not sure that doesn't mean yes or no. Okay. So he's uh, a controversial Christian author. Uh-huh. Um, and here's something that he wrote. So uh, his website, renew.org, like R-E-K-N-E-W. Uh, why didn't Jesus denounce military service? Hmm. Um, a common objection to the claim that Jesus and the authors of the New Testament were opposed to all forms of violence is that neither Jesus nor anyone else speaks out against it. When soldiers asked John the Baptist what they should he do... He didn't say we could, but he didn't say we couldn't. <laughs> well, here, it, that's where he's going. Just okay. uh, When soldiers asked John the Baptist what they should do in response to his message, for example, he told them not to ex- extort money, not to accuse people falsely, and to be content with their pay. He didn't tell them to leave the military. In a similar fashion, when Jesus encountered a distraught centurion, he healed his servant and praised his faith without saying a word about his leadership role in the violently in the violent and unjustly oppressive Roman-governed army. Along the same lines, without commenting on his military service, Mark reports that a centurion confessed faith in Jesus when he witnessed how he died. And the same attitude gets carried over into the early church. Indeed, the first Gentile who came to Christ in the book of Acts was yet another centurion. As Peter preached the gospel to this man and his household, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and they were all baptized without a word being uttered about the, this man's military service. From Augustine to Aquinas to Luther up to the present time, these episodes have been frequently cited to justify Christians serving in the military. This line of reasoning is misguided, in my opinion. First, this is an argument from silence. One could use this line of reasoning to argue that Jesus and the authors of the New Testament were not opposed to a good many things we know they were in fact opposed to. For example, Jesus didn't rebuke the Samaritan women, uh, women who had been divorced five times and was presently living with a man who was not her husband. Does this mean that Jesus condoned divorce, remarriage, and cohabitation outside of wedlock? Nor did Jesus rebuke the tax collectors and prostitutes he regularly worshipped with or fellowshiped with. Does this imply that the religious authorities were correct in surmising that Jesus had no objection to these occupational choices? James even praised the faith of Rahab without saying a word about the sinfulness of her career as a prostitute. I doubt anyone would want to argue that this implies that James thought prostitution was compatible with the Christian faith. The truth is that we can only infer what a person believes by what they actually say, not by what they fail to say. And what Jesus and the New Testament authors uniformly say about violence is that it is forbidden for followers of Jesus. It is simply illegitimate to overturn or qualify this clear and consistent teaching with an argument from silence. The weakness of the argument from silence becomes even clearer when we notice that, with the exception of the Jewish leaders of his day, Jesus never denounced the sin of the people with whom he he interacted. In sharp contrast to other prophetic figures of his day, Jesus never denounced sinful practices and policies of any ruling political authority. Indeed, he refused to to even weigh in on the hot political topics of his day, despite the efforts of others to get him to do so. 
we find a similar attitude running throughout the New Testament. For example, Paul confesses that while we must discipline, uh, <clears throat> we must discipline the be- the behavior of Jesus followers within the context of a kingdom community, we have no business passing judgment on those outside the church. To the contrary, Paul declares that the only message message the church is to announce to people outside the church is the message of reconciliation that God has given us. Namely, that in Christ God was reconciling the word to himself, not counting people's sin against them. Far from pointing out people's sin, our message is to be that God has already forgiven their sin. It is apparent that Jesus and the New Testament authors are simply not interested in trying to improve the ethical behavior of the people and the governments of the world. In this sense, it is fair to say that the New Testament doesn't contain an ethic for humans in general, and perhaps even fair to say that the New Testament doesn't espouse um, pacifism. In the, in the sense that it doesn't advocate nonviolence for all people and as an end all, an end in and of itself. Jesus and the authors of the New Testament are rather exclusively focused on the call of disciples of Jesus to love enemies, which therefore rules out killing them. The very fact that Jesus established the ability to love like this to be the distinguishing mark of a child of God indicates that he did not intend his command to function as a universal ethical principle. Hence, the general posture of the New Testament is that until one submits to the Lordship of Christ and is filled with the Spirit, there is no point addressing the incompatibility of a person's lifestyle or occupation with the will of God. Indeed, Paul's teachings on the message of reconciliation that ambassadors of Christ are to preach actually precludes this. And since none of the several soldiers that are spoken of in the New Testament were disciples, it is hardly surprising that we find no critique of their occupation. I will close with with one final observation. While the silence of Jesus about military service doesn't indicate that he thought military service was compatible with following Jesus, it does illustrate how God meets people where they are at without judging them. The Holy Spirit simply fell on Cornelius, the Roman centurion, without first requiring him to leave the military. Luke doesn't tell us how Cornelius resolved the dilemma this put him in, but we need to appreciate how messy his dilemma was. The Roman military had no provisions for military leaders to suddenly opt out of service as a conscientious objector. Indeed, walking away from one's military role was considered treason and was punishable by death. But I'm glad Luke doesn't tell us this, because if he had, we might be tempted to turn it into a formula that we try to apply to all Christians in military service. That is precisely what we should never do, for God works in the particulars of each person's unique and messy life. Cornelius, together with whatever house church he joined after his conversion, would have to work out the messy implications of his salvation with fear and trembling, trusting that God was working in them to f- to fulfill his good purpose. This is why I don't believe that anyone has any business questioning the authenticity of a military person's faith, whether they are serving in the U.S. military or in a military that opposes the U.S. Yes, we can and must clearly espouse the New Testament's teaching on the prohibition on violence for Jesus' followers, And I will candidly admit that I, for one, don't see how following Jesus can be reconciled with military service. But neither I nor anyone else is in a position to apply this to individuals who haven't invited us into their lives. We must rather simply trust that God is meeting them and working in them where they are. And if it seems to us that their chosen occupation makes them sinners, we are to remember that the speck of dust we think we see in their eye is nothing compared to the tree trunk of sin that protrudes from our own. Um, so I thought that was an interesting article and, um, a, (laughs) a valid question that, that was actually, um, a common issue in the New Testament church, 
there was it was very common to believe that you couldn't uh, you know being a Christian meant you left the military right um, and that is so far from where we are in America yeah it's actually kind of the opposite like like oh you're in the military that's cool God approves of everything you do no matter what no matter what it is <laughs> mow down a bunch of kids in a village don't worry about it thank you for your service oof um so anyway greg boyd uh certainly controversial for a variety of reasons his book uh myth of a christian nation is a is a book worth reading though i i've always thought it you know, wondered about that too, because he talks about the centurion, you know, he talks to the centurion, the centurion never says anything about him. It does go, the Bible does go out of its way to like mention that the guy was like a pretty honorable guy. Mm-hmm. Like it, like it wasn't just like, Oh, he was a centurion. Clearly he was good. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. It certainly doesn't. Um, <laughs> like the American attitude of just military service equals good. Um, definitely not there. Military service does equal double plus good. Does it not? <laughs> yes. I can't let it go. I think it's the greatest, one of the greatest moments of the last couple of shows. <laughs> double plus ungood show. Um, what else do we got here? We got lots of stories. I don't think we're going to get to them all. Do we do we let them go? Do we put them on the cutting room floor and start fresh? Do, what do you, what do you want to do here? Leonardo, this is a super easy one. Leonardo DiCaprio is producing a new movie called Sandcastle Empire for Paramount. That is, guess what it's about? Uh, global warming. Oh man, it's not global warming, boss. It's climate change. Oh, oh climate change. Okay. Uh, he gets it on his first try. Is, uh, when it comes is, to is good the acting, Castle Empire um, referring to the um, story told by Jesus Christ. That's a good question. I, I just figured it was referring to House the, Upon the Sand. Yeah, that's a valid point. I just figured it was referring to that. You know, they'd be building, you know, sand castles in uh, Las Vegas because they, you know. <laughs> beachfront or, property yeah oh there you go <laughs> alright so it's not I, referring to like the oil I, I have no idea it probably, oil barons going back it, it's probably referring to oil barons I don't know I don't care enough <laughs> I just thought he just does this big thing for SAG and talks about climate change he, he spoke in Versailles, or Paris for the climate change summit and he gets this award and you know he's a decent actor but I, I certainly don't want him trying to solve. Oh yeah, he's not overrated at all. Climate change problem. It's amazing. I, I find him to be okay, but whatever. <laughs> Has anyone? Have you seen the Big Short yet? I can't wait to see that no, movie. No. I read the book. It was uh, pretty good. Michael Lewis. Oh, okay. Michael Lewis takes a certain stand on these sort of things, but um, I think the, the movie's going to be pretty good. Christian Bale, Brad Pitt. Um, Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell. I mean, it can't be too bad. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward, looking forward to that one. It should be a more, I just read a review of it today. It says much more realistic than Leonardo DiCaprio in wall street. 
Wall Street was like, look, let's celebrate this amazing man and his how crazy awesome it was in the 80s. Yeah, for this guy to be totally evil and terrible, and at the end he gets arrested, so he learned his lesson. But the whole movie is about glorifying it. Yeah, the Big Short is not going to be about that. There's no part of the book where you could be like, "Woo, yeah, Wall Street's great." Yeah. Although so, I think Michael Lewis does have an agenda. I just haven't figured out what it is yet. Okay. All right. Um. Oh yeah. Okay. I've got to do this one. All right. This is <laughs> all right. It's from the New Yorker. It's another oh, yeah. satirical one. So, yeah, nation needs cheaper way to find worse people. <laughs> <laughs> and it shows a a picture of the Republican presidential candidates. <laughs> uh, with U.S. presidential elections now costing more than five billion dollars, there must be a cheaper way to find the worst people in the country. Experts believe. <laughs> According to Davis Logsdon, a political scientist at the University of Minnesota, the United States could use current technology to find the nation's most reprehensible people at a fraction of the $5 billion price tag. Any search for the worst country should logically begin one place, on Twitter, said Logsdon, who recommends (laughs) scouring the social network for users who consistently show signs of narcissistic personality disorder, poor impulse control, and other traits common to odious people. Once a comprehensive list of those Twitter users is compiled, Logson said it could be cross-referenced with a database containing the names of people who have presided over spectacular business failures, been the target of multiple ethics probes, or are currently under indictment for a broad array of criminal offenses. (laughs) After we crunch the numbers and find the 12 or so worst people in in our database, we could then put them on television to demonstrate just how awful they are as people, said Logson, who noted that part of the current system who noticed who noted that that part of the current system works very well. All in all, Logston believes that his method for finding the nation's worst people would cost practically nothing, leaving $5 billion left over to help rebuild the nation's schools, roads, and other crumbling infrastructure. The political scientist expects to encounter significant resistance to his proposal, however. It is hard to imagine a new system finding worse people than our current one does, he admitted. (laughs) But it's, it could definitely be faster. Yeah, it could be faster and cheaper. Yeah. So that, that's a variation of my um, most evil wins. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I love it. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. <laughs> All right. I, you got to do this one because it's so good. At least the, the cover of it. Okay. The one weird trait that predicts whether or not you're a Trump supporter. Oh yeah, this was interesting. Uh, and we we can make. Man, we had really good stories. It's like a super long show now, and we rambled, but we rambled. So we just keep the super good stories in the folder and come back to them next week. I don't know if we we never actually come back to them though. It's all stale goods. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> this is from Politico. Uh, well, except I do have a problem with this, their methodology. But the one weird trait that predicts whether you're a Trump supporter, and it's not gender, age, income, race, or the religion. Um, let's see. In fact, I found a, a single statistically significant variable predicts whether a voter supports Trump. And it's not race, income, or education levels. It's authoritarianism. 
That's right. Trump's electoral strength and his stay in power have been buoyed above all by Americans with authoritarian inclinations, uh, which I, I'm kind of going to go out on a limb and say that I don't have authoritarian inclinations, but well, you, you, I don't people know. can judge for yourselves. Uh, and because of the prevalence of authoritarians in the American electorate, among Democrats as well as Republicans, it's very possible that Trump's fan base will continue to grow. Okay, so he did a national poll. Now, um, the I, I do have a problem with the way that they determine whether you have authoritarian leanings. Uh, so the questions they asked, let's see. Um, okay. Um, these questions pertain to child rearing, whether it is more important for the voter to have a child who is respectful or independent, obedient or self-reliant, well-behaved or considerate, and well-mannered or curious. Respondents who pick the first option in each of these questions are strongly authoritarian. Now, I do kind of have a problem with that because there's a big difference between like the parent-child relationship and the politician public relationship no they're like our parents <laughs> um but anyway that was the methodology so i did but it is interesting that people that they claim those questions show are authoritarian were more likely to be trump supporters that that was the most statistically significant factor um That was, I thought that was interesting. Also, um, you know, I wanted to read that Will Grigg article, uh, Tyranny, Defiance, and the Death of Lavoy Finicum. We talked a little bit about that last week. Um, that maybe could wait. Okay. So that one you think will keep? Yeah. All right. Let's go through the rest of them. <laughs> Name them off. See if you think it will keep or if it needs to hit the... Okay. Hit the, hit the, hit the, <laughs> Almost yeah. everything in Dr. Strangelove was true. Um, that could keep. Okay. Uh, Google sends profits worth 8 billion pounds a year to post office box in the sunny Caribbean island of Bermuda. And guess what the PO box number is, Tim? Well, I, I don't know. 666 PO box 666. So Google's, uh, you know, Tax evading P.O. box in the in Bermuda is numbered six six six. Make hmm. of that what you will. Don't be evil, right? That's, uh, that's right. So we. <laughs> um, an article like the blind leading the blind. Donald Trump and evangelicals talks about why evangelicals are gravitating toward Donald Trump. That one Although to may, be, may keep, right? Yeah, yeah. And there will be plenty more, What's plenty a, more Trump discussion. Google celebrates Frederick Douglass today, and so should you, especially if you're a libertarian. Yeah, I thought that was um, Frederick Douglass. I would say the average high school graduate mm -hmm. in America could not sit down and read anything that Frederick Douglass wrote and comprehend it. Wow. Pretty, pretty deep. Well, he's just, 
yeah, I mean, was very, very smart and a good writer. Um, but anyway, so I do like Fred- Frederick Douglass. We'll put that one on the cutting room floor. Yeah. So, Great for Frederick Douglass. Though. Yeah. But uh, so read that one. That'll be in the show notes of today's episode. Yeah. But there, there's not too much to the article. It basically just says Frederick Douglass because um, he they tried to like get him to go with the socialist camp and he wasn't having any of it. He was all about freedom, basically. All right. I'll encourage you to read that one. It's in the show notes. Andrew will tell you there's not much to the article. Next up, I watch the CIA. Well, no, I, I'm, I'm saying you should read something that Frederick Douglass actually wrote. Not that. But you could start with the article. Short article. Yeah. Um, I wash how the CIA defends its own workforce. Deceives. Have you ever heard the term I wash before? I haven't. So um, I'll just summarize. And it comes from the Washington Post. So what they do is they will send internal memos with false information. Hmm. And uh, they've got different, wow. they've got different justifications for it. Um, but it kind of goes, I mean, we've, we've talked about how, you know, alternative news sites and whatever that say, oh, man, we've got this general and he's been told this and that and that. It's like, well, great, he's been told that. But if you don't have any, even if that person's telling the truth, you don't know why they're getting told that. You don't know why they're getting told, oh, there's aliens at Area 51. You don't know why they're getting told. Like, the people within the system are the most propagandized and lied to. Yeah, and I think we've we've tried to talk about that before, how compartmentalized people within the system are. And that, that's what they, they said is it's a, it's a, um, another method of compartmentalization. Hmm. So there's like, if you're not part of the actual specific program, you don't get the real information. You get the bogus stuff that they want. <laughs> Basically, uh, the same story or sometimes even a different false story, um, and this specifically reminded me of the um, supposed Obama killing, not Obama killing. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Osama bin Laden killing. <laughs> right. That was accidental. Uh, the Obama killing of Osama bin Laden. Right. So you had like the um, the fake story that came out first, you know, the firefight and everything, and then you had a few different fake. Uh, stories that disproved the first story that were like insiders leaking. Oh, here's what really happened. Right. And I think all those were were fake. Right. Yeah. But this kind of talks about how this is codified within the CIA. The practice of eyewash is what they call it. So that's a good article. Check that out. Uh, and the rest of these we're keeping. Uh, millions resent being put in the horrible position of siding with Megyn Kelly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's in reference to Donald Trump uh, skipping the debate. <laughs> so another kind of joke article where they're saying, like, oh, it's so terrible. I have to side with Megyn Kelly against Donald Trump. So 
That'll be on the cutting room floor as well. Yes. And then damning, if true, protesters' accusation could sink Ted Cruz's whole campaign. Uh, let's see. Oh. <laughs> He's back in Nickelback. Oh, yes. The guy, there's, uh, <laughs> there's a, a protester who, who goes where Ted Cruz goes and holds up a sign that says, Ted Cruz likes Nickelback, <laughs> <laughs> which I've always believed to be one of the best insults uh, available in the English language. So <laughs> That's a great show. Great, great, great article. Great way to end our show. Andrew Hoffman, you knew it was coming. It's time for you to give us our weekly words of wisdom to get us through the coming week. Oh man, I actually did, you know, show prep in advance, and which I, was, I appreciate. And I think the show went much better because of it. Thank you. I was uh, laying awake last night thinking of words of wisdom for the show, and I can't remember what they were. Let's see. That's the point. That's the thing. That's where you and, you're not supposed I, to I think should, of words of wisdom. You just come up with them off the cuff. Eat at Chipotle, and. Uh, I'd rather have E. coli than Hillary Clinton as president. <laughs> I should ISO that and put it at the end of the show, like every show. I'd rather have E. coli than have Hillary Clinton as president. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, don't believe the hype. Go against the grain. Be the fish that swims upstream. Continue to think for yourself. And don't always buy into the propaganda machine or as Andrew Hoffman put it I'd rather have E. coli than have Hillary as president yeah or or Donald Trump but it, I do have um, and it's a conversation at work this morning uh, someone who's like very liberal was saying oh I'm so glad Donald Trump so let me get hold on a second time out what you got a liberal person in, at work with you in Oregon yeah, sh- shocker. <laughs> um, so, and uh, one of the managers goes, "Wait a second, are you are you talking about like like reality instead of entertainment here? I thought you'd be all for the entertainment." <laughs> and he's like, "You've got to be rooting for Trump. He's w- way more entertaining than anyone else." So, but you know, there's. Some sick part of me was rooting for Donald Trump in that uh, in that election, or the not election, but the Iowa caucus. Well, that, I mean, that's half the draw of Trump. He takes the show and makes it a show. We all know it's a show. We all know it's a dog and pony show. It's a it's a it's a joke. It's a popularity contest with advertisers and you know money it's, changing hand and lobbyists. And it's all. a popularity contest in some of the most unpopular people you could possibly find. I know. And then we, we, we eat it up. So the fact that he comes on and just treats it like it's a popularity contest and is killing it, doing it. I mean, I think people, there's a little bit of honesty to that. Yeah. People are digging it. I'm not digging it though. For me, I'll take Dr. Future and James Corbett as my president, vice president combo. James Corbett isn't even qualified. Well, if Dr. Future's gone all socialist on us, though, maybe we should have 
James Corbett as as president. Although I'm I'm pretty sure he would admit to being born in Canada, unlike Ted Cruz. So. Yeah, when I said he was unqualified, I meant he was born in Canada. <laughs> I didn't mean that he wasn't qualified. <laughs> well, apparently it's a requirement that uh, you not be a natural-born citizen just to, <laughs> to kind of give you some uh, blackmailable material right off the bat there. But. Perfect. But, J- yeah, James, James is going to... It's going to stay true to his roots there in Calgary. Maybe we'll just have to change something so we can get him in there. We'll just take a... I'd just take a random person out of, out of the phone book, Tim. I, I, you know, it's funny. A draft for... Draft for Congress. Congress and the president. It's, it's, it, 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 it's just so crazy it might work. Yeah. I, I, you can't, I don't think you could do a draft for the president, though. Too much power with one person. Draft for Congress, definitely. You got enough people to to uh, to to uh, you know weed you know iron out or, or even out any crazy craziness that you may get in there. But with one person, what do you what do you think? I mean, and um, all laws that they want to institute, mm-hmm. they all have to write out. Um, the entirety of them by hand before they vote on them. <laughs> so that should uh, that should slow the pace of government to an appropriate crawl, and just start out with nothing. So then you'd actually only you know write down the important stuff. <laughs> Andrew, there we go. Only you were running things. If uh, if uh, if. If only I weren't running things, but neither was anyone else, Tim. That's the... I am a theoretical anarchist. I don't know if it would actually work, but I'm willing to try. I am one of your hosts, and that's not the beginning of the show. This is the end. This is the end. Good show, Andrew. <laughs> a long, it was a long show. It I, was, hope, it was I a... hope people stuck with us through the uh, Chipotle extravaganza. <laughs> Especially if they've never heard of Chipotle or... Like, what are these people talking about? A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at revelationsradionews.com. To contact Andrew and Tim, or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the Contact tab or Support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com, and thank you for your support of this podcast. Don't you say we're in this together, you and me. I'd rather have E. coli than Hillary Clinton as president. There.